Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a placement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. morning, Sleep In Service. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors here, Christ the King. Glad you're with us. I want to welcome everybody that's watching online. We actually have a, a significant portion of our church that watches online every week, so I want to welcome you. And also wanted to let you know uh, what you experienced this weekend during worship is, I mean, we, some weekends we just kind of strip it down, make it acoustic, give it kind of a lighter feel. We want to give ourselves some space to be able to really reflect and open our hearts to what God is saying. And so if those of you are who are watching online or wondering, why these people are so mellow today. It was intentional, it was purposeful, and now I'm going to do my best to try and change that, okay? All right? Helmets and seatbelts, people, here we go. This past week, I watched a documentary on identity theft. They had one of those identity thieves uh, doing one of the interviews, you know, where they just put them in black silhouette and they changed their name and, and changed their voice. And, and they shared his, this guy shared his secrets about how by using just a simple RFID scanner, that he could walk through a mall and steal people's identities, IDs, credit cards, social security numbers. In fact, they actually sent him out with this little RFID scanner. He walked through a mall, just came within six feet of certain people, then went back to his hotel room and duplicated everything in their wallet in less than 12 minutes. It was incredible. And it reminded me again, not only are all of us vulnerable to identity theft, but it also reminded me that there is a thief who wants to steal more than just my personal identity. Satan himself wants to steal my true spiritual identity, an identity that was placed in me all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. We've been reading this little phrase over the last couple of weeks, praying that God would allow it to, to make an 18-inch drop from our brain down into our heart. And so we're going to show it to you again. I'm going to ask you to read this along with me today. And we, for those with OCD like me, we fixed the typo from last week so you can get all the way through it without stopping halfway and going, that's wrong. Okay. All right. So we're going to read it together out loud, starting at I was. Let's read it together. I was created in the image of God uniquely and intentionally for the purpose of glorifying Jesus in everything I do. The fingerprints of God are on my soul. Several years ago, my family went to Granville Island to spend the day. We enjoyed the water and the sunshine, the street musicians, the food. But eventually at the end of the day, we had to come back home again. So we got back to the car 
And as I hopped into the car, I thought something to myself. I thought, this is funny. My car smells like cigarette smoke, beer, and body odor. Now, I knew for a fact two out of the three of those smells could not have come from me. Okay? Do the math. Keep up. Okay? All right? And that's when I thought, someone has been in my car, turned around, looked in the back seat, and there's shattered glass all over the back seat. And then I look over and I see my glove compartment is open. Someone broke into our car. They stole my baseball gloves, which really ticked me off, just saying, some clothing and a wallet. And the first question in our minds when we discovered the theft of the wallet was a natural question. What was in the wallet? Now, I can tell you something. There was a very disappointed thief in Vancouver, British Columbia that particular day because there was not a dime inside of that wallet. But there was something inside of the wallet that caused us actually significant concern. Our daughter's social security card. Her identity was missing. And immediately we had to take some steps to ensure that her identity was protected. We took the same steps that are prompted. If you go to several government websites that teach people how to protect their identity, you're going to find three words that pop up over and over and over again. And they describe proven ways to protect your identity. And we utilized all three of them in different forms. The words are deter. So how do I slow down an identity thief? How do I build a fence? How do I take precautions? How can I be proactive on the front end before anything happens to protect my identity? Deter. Secondly, detect. How do I clue in when something is suddenly missing? How do I pay attention? How do I monitor my current situation so that I can, I can be tipped off if all of a sudden something is missing? And finally, defend. How do I actually stand my ground and take back what the enemy or the thief has stolen from me. We're, we're going to walk through these three words, and we're going to take it all out of the last part of Romans chapter 7. I love Romans chapter 7 because of Paul's honesty. I like it because Paul tells it like it is. I like it because Paul dispels a myth. Some people will tell you that when you accept Jesus into your life, that's the ticket to an easy life. The second you accept Jesus, it's just blessings and happiness and angels and sunshine and prosperity and bumper stickers and there's no more bad people and it's all good people and you get a great job and there's no more pain. You don't even have to pay your taxes anymore. Everything you touch just turns to gold and it's just perfect. Is that anyone else's experience in the room? I don't think so. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says there's actually a struggle that happens within himself and within all of us, as we struggle to hold on to our new identity while going to war with this old nature. He talks about the pain of life and the dogged determination it takes to make godly decisions, to be obedient to Christ. He's gut level honest, and I'll be honest with you, Romans chapter 7 makes some people very, very nervous. There are entire denominations in Christendom who would love to take an exacto knife and cut Romans chapter 7 out of their Bible. Because they hold to a position that once they accept Christ, their old nature is completely abolished and they're never going to sin again. I'm not sure what you do with that when you mess up. In fact, I read Romans chapter 7 and I'm going to render the Greek to you as best I can. To, to people who think they can be sinless from the point where they have salvation, I think Paul would say this to you. That chance, my rendering, Okay. And Paul opens up his heart, and in doing so, he gives us unbelievable hope. 
for everyone in the room who struggles at times with that old nature. Today we're going to talk about hope. Because Paul says when your spiritual identity is attacked, there's some counterattacks that just need to happen. So let's work off of those words. Let's start with this idea. We need to deter the enemy by knowing our new identity in Christ Jesus. In your outline, you're going to see two columns. I want you to know something. We're going to expose a lie of Satan himself right now. The enemy wants you to believe your existence is reserved for the left-hand column. He wants you to be convinced you're a sinner. You're dead to sin. You're a slave to your own brokenness and past. You've been released into your own consequences, and you're going to struggle there for the rest of your life. And we learned last week, there is some truth about us in the left-hand column, isn't it? To anybody in the room who's ever messed up, we know there's some truth in the left-hand column, but we also learned something last week. While that may be the truth about me, there's a greater truth about me that Jesus wants to tell. So we may have started in the left-hand column, but we're working our way in the other direction, which means this. There was a time, absolutely, I was a sinner, condemned, stood there, did it on my own. But now, according to my Bible and my new identity, I've been saved by grace. Not my grace, the grace of Jesus. There was a moment when I was dead in the sin, but now I'm alive in Christ, to Christ, about Christ, through Christ. It's nothing in and of myself. It all has to do with His glorious grace. There was a time when absolutely you could have described me as a slave to sin, but not anymore. Now I've been set free and I'm choosing to live in that freedom. There was a time when I was released into my own consequences, but now because of Jesus, I've been released into a whole new relationship. There was a time when I was struggling and there are times when I still struggle, but the glorious truth of this morning is I never, ever, ever struggle alone. I'm never alone anymore. I'm going to tell you something. People will come at times and they'll say, Grant, I'm struggling spiritually. I feel like, I feel like Satan himself is pressing back against me and I freak him out a little bit when I say, good, good. You should be experiencing that kind of pressure because it means you're actually moving in the right direction. If Satan is opposing you, take it as a backhanded compliment and keep pressing in that direction because I'm going to tell you something. The devil doesn't care about people that are passive. The devil doesn't care about people that aren't a threat to the kingdom of darkness in Whatcom County. He'll start paying attention to you and he'll come against you. And in that moment, you need to think to yourself, I must be going the right way. I must be moving in the right direction. I mean, the Bible calls it a war for a reason. The Bible says we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So if you're just sailing along, loving Jesus, and there's no opposition, I actually think you need to do a gut check. Sometimes when the struggle is tough, we need to grasp that new identity and say out loud who God says we are. There's something powerful as a follower of Jesus when we're experiencing opposition to be able to step up and just say, no, 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 I am not a mistake. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm not a failure. I'm dead to sin, alive to Christ. I'm not in bondage to my old way of life. I was a slave, but now I've been set free. I'm not just treading water in my spiritual walk. I've been released into a whole new relationship with Christ. And I may be struggling, but I never struggle alone. I put a whole bunch of scriptures about your identity for you to read on your own because there's not enough time today to go through every single one of them. But I would encourage you during this holy week, take some time. 
Open your Bible and see what God has to say about you. One of the most encouraging things about Romans 7 is Paul shares our struggle with our old identity. He gets it. Listen to the apostle Paul describe himself. He says, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin, Romans 7, 14. I don't understand what I do. What I want to do, I don't do. What I hate, I do, Romans 7, 15. I know that nothing good lives in me, Romans 7, 18. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out, 7, 18 at the end. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Anybody been there? How about this one? But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. When I read that this week, once again, I just let out a huge sigh of relief. I got company in this struggle. If you're struggling with your old nature, trying to live with your new identity, you've got company with the Apostle Paul and all the rest of us, if we're being honest. Because I've noticed something. Martin Luther used to say this. He said, when I came to Christ, I thought that I had drowned the old man in me only to find out the rascal could swim. (laughs) And that's what happens, right? We come to Christ next weekend on Easter. I'm going to tell you right on the front end, Easter, Christ the King, we do an old-fashioned altar call. We invite people to step out of their seat and make a public declaration for Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, having walked this walk for more than three decades, that old nature inside of me, that gets stripped off of you and that old body gets chucked in the corner. But I'll tell you something, every once in a while, that old body, even though I know that old nature is dead and gone and has been triumphed over by the cross completely by Jesus, every once in a while, that old body twitches, freaks me out. All of a sudden, she's like, whoa, what just happened right over there? I learned something. That old nature's dead. At any time it twitches, means the devil drilled holes through the floor, and he's just using a stick to prop it to freak you out. We all have to work at understanding how that old nature comes off of us in layers. Let me give you an example. I've worked hard for years to become a patient person. I'm not naturally wired to be patient. My motto is lead, follow, or get out of the way. My mantra is move it or lose it. That's my theme song. So naturally, just naturally, I got two speeds, overdrive and dead, okay? That's how it works for me. But God in his wisdom has had to slow me down. In fact, he's been teaching me the beauty of pace, He's been teaching me that other gears like neutral and reverse actually have meaning and value. But if he'd had to teach me this over and over and over again, and I realized something, I am one decision away from going right back to where my old nature is rooted. Happened last week. I'm driving home. I want to get home. It's a beautiful day. And in God's sovereignty, he puts a couple in front of me who were out enjoying the sights and the sounds of Whatcom County. They were admiring God's beautiful creation, as I have asked you to do at different times, just to pay attention in the mountains and the water and the trees and the beauty. And they were doing it at 38 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone. 
And I couldn't even blame it on their license plate because they were from Washington. Like, how is that possible? 38 miles an hour. And there's someone right beside them. So I can't get around them. I'm thinking I could take the shoulder. I don't want to do that. I mean, there's just something inside of me. I lost my new identity in Christ over 17 miles an hour. Think about it. Suddenly, all those lessons in patience, slowing down, being respectful, are lost in one thought. If I had a machine gun mounted on the front of my Hyundai, I would light them up. (laughs) And then I think to myself, Grant, how patient has Jesus been with you? Do you really want to walk backwards into your old identity over 17 miles an hour? I'll be honest, my old nature, it beat me again. I had a chance to be godly and I blew it and I learned something. My old sin nature is like smoldering coals of a fire. It looks like it's dead, but if I put the right fuel on it, it can come back to life in a second. Anybody else in the room noticed how easy it is to slip back into your old identity? Don't lie in church, the rest of you, okay? Four people, yep, the rest of us, I don't know. I mean, we've got to be vigilant. How do we do that? Let's come back to one of the words. We detect the fuel that reignites our old nature. We've got to be aware of predictable patterns that suck us down the wrong direction. We need to know our character weaknesses, how we put ourselves in vulnerable places. We need to understand what our sin triggers are. We need to be careful not to dwell on past mistakes, because if you do, you end up right back where you started. Let's be honest. To the guys in the room, we all know how this works, right? As guys, our eyes are drawn to images that are not godly. It's natural. So we have to be godly enough to discipline ourselves. You can't hand out near, to hang out near a magazine rack and discipline your eyes. You can't put yourself in that vulnerable place. I've got to be careful when I'm channel surfing. Because if I expose my old nature to the right kind of fuel, it can cause spontaneous combustion of the soul. Guys, you know I'm telling the truth. Some of us struggle with our eye gate. Some of us struggle with gossip. You know the truth about gossip, right? If you need to talk about somebody else's life, it means you need to get one of your own. Amen? Amen. But there's something in us. We just can't help it. We have to have a commentary on somebody else's life. And I'll tell you what, if that's the battle you have with your old nature, you may need to take some drastic and godly steps. You might have to write it out every morning. Mind your own business. You might have to disconnect your phone, read Matthew 18, buy duct tape, whatever it takes. But we need to come to grips with the fact that this is a war and the devil fights dirty. 1130, do we understand that? My wife's been calling me out the last couple of weeks. She goes, Grant, time to go to a whole new level of boldness. Let's all go to a whole new level of boldness. This is a war and the devil fights dirty and it's time for God's kids to start fighting back what he's called us to. Listen to my favorite evangelist from the old, old, old days. His name was Billy Sunday. He was famous. for He was a tough preacher. If people didn't respond, there were times he was known to take people out back behind the church. 
and have a moment with them and then bring them back in again and give them an opportunity to get saved. It's crazy stuff. But he said this, listen to him. He said, listen, I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. I'll butt it as long as I've got a head. I'll bite it as long as I've got a tooth. And when I'm old, fistless, footless, and toothless, I'll gum it till I go home to glory and it goes back home to hell where it belongs. And some of you are like, that's really tough talk. Listen to what Paul says about what he's had to do with his old identity from Colossians chapter 3. The Bible says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Do you see? There it is again. The fingerprints of God are on my soul. Here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I know some of you are uncomfortable with the language because Paul doesn't say, put it aside, avoid it, just push it away, come up with some kind of self-management deal, do some self-improvement. He doesn't say, he boldly says these words when it comes to your old nature, kill it, kill it. There's no room to step around it. it. It has to die. And here's the cool thing. That battle's already been won. Jesus killed that old identity in you on the cross. And you all have a date with the cross on Friday. I want to remind the people of God of something. You can't have resurrection Sunday morning unless you go through Good Friday first. And Jesus said to his kids, remember me. Don't forget the price that I paid in order to have Resurrection Sunday when your new identity in Christ was forged in heaven for the very first time. You've got, some of you are just like, but Grant, I got dinner reservations on Friday. Yes, you do. It's at a communion table with the King of Kings. I want to go to a movie. Jesus said, remember me. No pressure. See you Friday. <laughs> it's important, right? What else can we do? We can defend our identity with the proper fuel of our new nature. I mean, so many of us just get fooled into this idea that when it comes to removing our old nature, we just need to stop doing the bad things. Actually, no, you need to fully enter into a new life that Jesus will call you to. You've got to replace those old facets of your old nature and replace them. Here's some ideas. Worship, prayer, serving, giving, reading the word, spiritual disciplines. Here's what I love about Colossians 3. Paul gives us this huge list. Here's all the stuff that's, that's wrapped up in your old identity. And then he flips it in verse 12 and says, now let's talk about the new you. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, that's you. You're like, what? God picked you. He could have picked anybody. He picked you. 
is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Did you see that? Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance. That means none of us as followers of Christ get to put up our hand and say, yeah, but that person hurt me so badly that I can never ever forgive them. You need to know something. What comes next? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know what? I've learned something when I'm prayed up, served up, studied up, stoked up, read up, praised up, and have lifted my voice up. I am less susceptible to that old nature because my focus is on Jesus and his cross. So what does the Bible say? It says, put it on. Compassion, put it on. Kindness, put it on. Humility and gentleness, put it on. Patience, put it on. Forgiveness, put it on. Love, put it on. You got to clothe yourself with the righteousness, the beautiful right living that Jesus calls us to. Last week again, driving in my car, talking to my phone. Hey, Siri because I don't text and drive, just so we're clear, all right? Okay, well, I have in the past. <laughs> Part of my old nature. It's anyway, okay, so, but I just, I was talking to my phone. I just said, Siri, play something encouraging. You know, it's amazing how she learns. Normally, she won't even respond to me. It's kind of a joke. She's just like always, hmm. I, I, I. <laughs> this week, play something encouraging. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future, life is worth the living just because he lives. She finally got it right. (laughs) Paul wraps it up in Romans chapter 7 with a statement and he asks a question. He makes a statement, what a wretched man I am, Romans 7, 24. And then he asked the question, who will rescue me from this body of death? I think when Romans, or when Paul wrote Romans chapter 7, I think he was having a tough day. Maybe you're having a tough day. But if you're having a tough day, could you add an honest moment? Could you add a moment of clarity today? Could, can you come to the place where Paul says, what a wretched man I am? I mean, can you hear the, the frustration in his life? He goes, I just wanted to do the right thing. How could I have done that evil thing again? How can I be so stupid? I fell into the same trap over and over again. Why didn't I see it coming? I mean, it's the oldest trick in the book. The devil's used it my entire life and I fell for it again. Hook, line, and sinker in those moments when you feel like shame is wrapping itself around your heart. I believe you you need to defend yourself with the proper answer to Paul's question. Romans 7:25. Who will rescue me from this body of death? I'm going to read you Paul's answer. And when I get to the end of it, I need some people from the sleep-in service to wake out of their semi-comatose state and to say amen 
That's an A and an N with me in the middle. It means I agree, so be it. May God make it so. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the answer right there. I mean, think about it. Paul's talking to himself. Who can rescue me from this old struggle? Jesus can. Who can give me victory over the old nature? Jesus can. Who's big enough and strong enough to chase the evil that stands there right with me? Jesus can. Who's my spiritual authority and tells me who I am? Jesus is. Who can break the old bonds and set me free? Jesus, the great emancipator, who can sustain me in the battle against my old nature? Jesus can. Who knows when I'm struggling and doesn't move away, but actually moves closer in those times? There's the answer that we need every Every single time, Jesus. Amen. Jesus. So if you don't know, this is known traditionally as Palm Sunday. I think it's the most bittersweet moment in the whole Bible, my opinion. A group of people here, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. They don't know why he's going there. He's going there to die. And they come and they meet him with all of their good intentions and And they show up and say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna literally means God save us. I think we could all probably pray that right now, right? God save us. God save us. And this group of people show up. And what we know about that group of people is that within a very short number of days... They were going to exchange Hosanna for crucify him. I often wonder, every time I take a step back into my old identity, I wonder if I'm just exchanging Hosanna for crucify him. So my question for the church today is, how do we stay in Hosanna? I think we deter our identity theft. And we boldly say to the devil himself under the authority of Jesus' name and by the power of the blood that was shed on the cross, you may have stolen my identity yesterday, but not today. Not today. Some of you have been asking over the last couple of weeks, you've picked it up, say, Grant, this new phrase, we've never heard you say that before. Tell the devil not today. Come back next weekend on Easter. And we're going to take that to a whole other level. We deter him by saying, not today. We detect, we have to pay attention. We've got to fuel the right fire in our soul. And we need to defend ourselves with the proper answer to the question. Who can save me from this body of death? (laughs) Jesus. So as we've done over the last couple of weeks, we're going to finish with intentional worship. And Randy and Michelle and Catherine and Andy are going to come out and they're going to join me on stage. And, and, and we're going to go back in the service to a moment. Andy introduced a new song to us taken right out of the book of John, straight from the text. And we're going to lift our voices together intentionally and purposefully. And we're going to sing about who Jesus says we are. But before we get there, would you pray with me this morning?
Father God, for my brothers and my sisters who struggle every day within their own spiritual identity as I do, Lord, may we no longer be what we did, but may we become who you say we are. So God, for those who may be struggling today, may they deter, detect, and defend the new identity that you've placed in each one of us. God, allow us to see the fingerprints of God on our soul. And as we walk towards Good Friday and Easter, Lord Jesus, would you come and reveal to us the identity that you purchased with your body and your blood when you sacrificed yourself on a cross. God, we want to live to that new identity. Would you give us the strength and the courage to start today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.